Today, we visit a wonderful new website called Transformation, where love meets social justice. I know, it sounds so romantic, doesn't it? Love meets social justice, like Harry meets Sally, makes you think of love meeting social justice at a party or a dance, and the two of them running away together to form the kind of relationship that ends with love explaining to the police that social justice didn't really mean to hurt her. He was just clowning around and things got out of hand. The article on the website that caught my eye before I could manage to remove my eye with a rusty nail was called How to Make Love Revolutionary by Josephine Hedlund. Hedlund is a polysexual feminist PhD student who uses gender-neutral pronouns, so you know that reading her article is going to improve your love life if you're currently in a maximum security prison bunking with a weightlifter named Shiv. Now, many of you probably think of falling in love as that moment when you find yourself magically attracted to someone in an explosion of erotic feeling that ultimately leads you to long-lasting spiritual friendship and physical intimacy. Silly you. According to this article, quote, and these are all real quotes, it is obvious that this sort of love actually works to uphold hetero and cis-normative patriarchal, capitalist, and hierarchical structures in society. And if you are only attracted to able, mentally well, successful, cisgender, normatively beautiful, slim people from class-privileged backgrounds, then you are also upholding violent norms. Instead, we should actively resist these norms by challenging who and what we find unattractive and uninteresting. Unquote. There you have the perfect leftist recipe for romantic happiness. Force yourself to sleep with a mentally unbalanced, unsuccessful, boring, ugly person who isn't sure what sex they are. This works especially well, of course, if you follow it up by saying, gee, honey, I was so drunk last night, I don't remember what happened, but I'll call you. No, really, I'll call you very soon. The article goes on to say, quote, we should actively promote more feminine and feminist practices of love, such as caring, seeing, and actively listening to others, unquote. Now, my answer to this is, sorry, what? Did you say something? No, no, I was listening. By the way, what's for lunch? The article ends by saying, quote, rejecting standard notions of love goes hand in hand with rejecting capitalism, unquote. And of course, what could be more romantic than walking hand in hand with rejecting capitalism, watching rejecting capitalism bat her long eyelashes at you, and then having rejecting capitalism lean in close and whisper seductively in your ear, come away with me and we can be poor and enslaved to an overweening socialist state. All in all, I think we can say that if you follow the advice on the website Transformation, you can have a romantic life just as great as any bisexual feminist PhD student who sits alone in a room day after day writing her ideas for transforming love before crying herself to sleep. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. <laughs> he's, he's poor. I feel bad making fun of these people, but I can't help myself. <laughs> All right. All right. We have uh, Stephen Crowder here today. And we have a, a psychiatric social worker, I think, sitting in the wings. And uh, Austin has a tranquilizer gun, so we're, we're safe. <laughs> Everything's going to be great. And uh, what else is going on now? Oh, I wanted to share just a little bit. Just a, It's just a little good news about the Clavenless Weekend. We are trembling on the brink of the Clavenless Weekend, but... This Clavenless weekend will not be entirely Clavenless. 
because Saturday in the Wall Street Journal, if you get the Wall Street Journal, you can look at the review section, and there is a review by me of Ross McDonald, the famous detective story writer. And if you wrap this around yourself, it will protect you from nuclear radiation, <laughs> which, which is coming because it's the Clavenless Weekend. But this will mitigate the Clavenless Weekend. So you can read about Ross McDonald in the Wall Street Journal review. It's a good piece, and an interesting, uh, he's an interesting mystery writer. Uh, and finally, just before we get started, we have to say get well to Ben Shapiro. What is this? This guy's been out two days. Yeah. Stop. Stop. Yeah. Come back. You know, I will try to be just a little bit more depressing in this, uh, you know, to, to fill the gap, you know, because I don't, want, I don't want anybody walking around going, I feel strangely happy. You know, you get, get married, spend money and things like that. You know, you don't want to do that. All right. We're going to bring on uh, Steve in a couple of minutes. But first, I just want to talk really quickly. We've been talking all this week about Donald Trump, and now, you know, the Republicans are fighting with each other, and they say they're going to have an intervention. But I have to just take a moment to talk about this story, very complicated story that's in the Wall Street Journal, and it's going to pass from the scene very quickly. So I want to capture it for just a moment in your attention about this payment to Iran of $400 million in, uh, 400, is it 400? Yeah, $400 million in bills that they dropped off in the dead of night in an unmarked plane. America, our country, sent $400 million in, in bills in Swe- Swedish, uh, in Swiss money and euros. Just brought this unmarked plane dead of night, got this big, you know, tray of money and gave it to them. And the, and the, after this, some of our hostages were released from Iran. And the White House is saying, no, 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 there's no connection whatsoever. So basically what happened is there were three negotiations going on with Iran at once. One was a prisoner swap. They had some prisoners, we had some prisoners, and we agreed to swap the prisoners, but also to stop asking for the extradition of other prisoners. This is the Wall Street Journal uncovered this. Then at the same time, uh, we had that Obama's stupid nuclear deal to make sure that Iran gets nuclear weapons with which to kill everybody in sight. That's the important one that, remember, he says is going to stop them from getting nuclear weapons, but meanwhile they're in Germany getting the stuff that they need on, under this deal. And the other was an old arms deal that went bad when the Shah of Iran was deposed in 1979, and so we owed them some money for this deal to make up for the fact that we weren't going to give them the weapons, we were going to give, give them the money. So That was settled in The Hague in January. Obama comes out and says, we've settled this. We're going to pay them $1.7 billion in this settlement for this arms deal, which was a pretty good deal, actually. That was was okay. And then... And so they, and then they released these hostages. They didn't. The, the White House and Obama didn't say a word about dumping off this cash. Now this is illegal. We are not allowed to have dollar transactions with Iran because they're terrorists. You know, we give them dollars. They spend the dollars on weapons. Then they kill us. You know, we're not supposed to do that. So what they did with this is they took this money and they sent it to Switzerland, and Switzerland <laughs> changed it into euros and Swiss money, and we gave them that money. So that's supposed to make up for the fact that we're not supposed to trade in dollars. But of course it doesn't. That's money laundering. That's illegal. You know, that's, it's the same money. And so now we have the White House saying, oh, no, 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 no. This is not, this is not a ransom note. You know, we didn't pay ransom. And of course, Mike Pence took off against them. Mike Pence and Trump went off here, but here's Pence uh, going after him. Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama essentially put a price tag on the head of every American traveling abroad by turning over a cash payment essentially a ransom payment for America's held in Iran. But let me just say, we cannot have four more years apologizing and accommodating our enemies and abandoning our friends. 
So all I want to say about this is, I mean, they're saying, oh, we didn't pay for the hostages. It just was a coincidence. They said it's a coincidence. The timing is completely coincidental that we we paid these guys and then they released. But, of course, Iran is saying, oh, it's ransom. You know, they gave us the money. And they said and they even even our guys admitted that Iran wanted something to show for their people so that they knew that Iran was going to say it was a ransom. So effectively, effectively, this is a ransom. Now, I just want to remind you that during the Reagan era, there was this thing called the Iran-Contra deal where we were not allowed to we, – we sold – we weren't allowed to sell arms to Iran. So the Reagan administration – and they've never proven that Reagan himself was involved – but they got Israel to sell arms to Iran – and then we replaced the arms for Israel, and then the money was passed on to the anti-communist Contras in Nicaragua, which we also weren't supposed to do. So this was a huge scandal. When leftists talk about Reagan, that is all they talk about. And I just want you to watch, because this is basically the same kind of thing. You know, there's, you, can, you can parse this and say, well, it's different this way, different that way. But this would be a major, major scandal if this was a Republican president. If this were a Republican president, this is the all we would ever hear about. You know what the New York Times headline was on this? It was Republicans seek to use Iran deal. You know, I mean, it's the yeah, usual yeah, thing. Yeah. You know? It's like how they're using it. How did find this out? <laughs> exactly. How'd you find it out? <laughs> you know, you know, about I don't know, maybe ten years ago, maybe maybe a little bit more. The History Channel, I think it was, ran a contest where people voted for everybody's favorite president. And every day on AOL, which I was still on at the time, they would show you the remaining presidents as they narrowed it down. And they narrowed it down. It was right on your front page. Every day you opened your AOL thing, and there was the list of presidents. It got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And I said, you know what? It's going to be Reagan, and this thing is going to disappear. And that's exactly what happened. And it vanished. And so then they, were, they had promised to do a show about the winning president. So they did this angry, nasty show about Reagan with Matt Lauer. All it was about was Iran-Contra. That was all. Not, not, not destroying the Soviet Union, not bringing the economy back, nothing. So all I just want to say is pay attention to this because they are going to let it slip away. It's going to vanish completely. All right, let's, talk, let's bring on Crowder. He's here, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey. uh, so you, and you have the tranks, right? Okay, yes, we're good. Yes. Listen, uh, Steve Crowder and I, he has one of the most popular podcasts in podcast world. He is one of the funniest people I know. He and I work together in, at PJTV when we were both kind of first starting to do this stuff. Uh, we worked together at PJTV, and I remember meeting him and thinking, there's a man who seriously needs help. Uh, people ask, you know, what, you know, what do we do around the, the Daily Wire for fun? And, of course, the, you know, there's the cocaine and the prostitutes and all that. But, but aside from that, you will frequently find us gathered around a computer watching Steve's latest videos, which are just hilarious. You've got to see this one. He does an imitation of Bob Ross, remember, the old artist guy, <laughs> except he's giving you the lesson, and the lesson is how to draw Muhammad. And so here's just a minute of Steve. Steven Crowder being Bob Ross, how to draw Muhammad. Let's draw some trees for him. I'm using a forest green. You could use a, you could use a military green because he was a warlord. Killed lots of Christians and Jews. Didn't like him very much. There we go. Just some foliage, some trees. Let's give some there on the other side of Muhammad there. Let's get just a little bit of green. Oh, that's nice. See, Muhammad was really clear that he should never hurt the trees. In a time of war, was very concerned with the plants. Not so much with his wives, so let's give Aisha a little bit of a black eye. <laughs> I think that's her next step. Muhammad, of course, did strike Aisha, but only lightly, causing her great pain. Let's put black eye there. I'm using mauve. You can use violet. You just want to make sure people see the 
Severe beating Aisha took. You know what? Let's get a crimson red in there. Give little six-year-old Aisha, student lover of fat lip. That's Muhammad's wife, who he beat. He's drawn right there, as you can see, to the left of her. And there we go, Aisha with a black eye and a fat lip. Oh, <laughs> look at that picture. All right. You there, Crowder? Bring him in. There he is. <laughs> you disgust me. You disguise him. Disgusted to have you. <laughs> oh, I can't hear him. Wait, I can't hear you. Yeah, keep talking. Is he hearing me now? Now I oh no. Check. I'm hearing no, somebody. No. No, no, I got you. Me? I got you. I got you. Oh, okay. All right. Thank <laughs> you. Well, there you go. You just ruined my first bit. Yeah, all right. Let's uh, hear it. <laughs> no, as we were, as we were watching it, my producer here, not Gay Jared, just he he was watching it because for people watching, we can't hear. We can only see it. And he just turns to me, and goes, "That really was a screwed up video." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I you know, I know that I know that Islam is the religion of peace. So I'm sure that they were just just uh, just laughed out loud. They were so happy to. Have you teasing them like that, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's it's not, it seems still to me benign compared to dressing up as Muhammad and, and beating my six-year-old wife in a Three Stooges routine. You know, I've done, I've been here before, but they got really mad about it. And, you know, the one thing I wish is I don't really do a Bob Ross impression. It was an interpretation. I have impressions that are actually good. And this was last minute on a live show. We're like, hey, why don't we just do Bob Ross drawing Muhammad? And everyone said... Yeah, all right, and that, that's that's just that's all the thought that went into it. And uh, not gay, Jared's brother drew. He was the actual one who drew that. He was doing it live with an iPad, so uh, that's how we tricked it. I was wondering how that. I mean, the minute you said we're going to learn today to draw Muhammad, my my forehead hit the keyboard. I just started laughing. So <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so you, thank you. Yeah, so, so you've started. You've now started an, an incredible Twitter storm, right? Because this woman, what's her name? Cor- I had it there. Oh, yeah, Corn Gaines, suburban black. Yeah. Uh, I can see how involved m- in the process he is. Mom, yeah. Corn Gaines? <laughs> yeah, no, it's I've another dead. white people another, they have in touch with black culture, another but dead, Another dead person. <laughs> it's like, I, I can't keep track. They're shooting them all the no. time, you know. It's like, <laughs> so so she, she basically held off the cops with a shotgun, right? They stopped her. Is that the, that's the story? She, they stopped. No, the no she, well, she didn't hold off. Andrew, you make it sound like she's like it's a, like she's defending something. She didn't hold <laughs> off cops. Okay, she, there was a warrant out for her arrest. She was harboring another fugitive who had a warrant out for her arrest, and she aimed a loaded shotgun at police officers who were simply trying to get her out because she didn't appear for her court date. Well, she used her five-year-old as a human shield, and then said she was going to kill them all. At which point. In a surprising fatal turn of events, <laughs> she was shot. I mean, I don't know. It's like, I, I can't imagine addressing an officer as anything other than sir. If I have officer, a question, yeah. a ple- I'm like, hey, uh, officer, uh, I have a question for you. Make sure they see my hands. Let alone, I cannot imagine sawed-off shotgun, cock and loaded. I'm going to kill you. And then be like, oh, now you, now you go arrest me. Oh, my God. It's just the most absurd thing I can imagine. Well, it just I just liked in your effort to, to still the troubled waters of our country, you sent oh. out, you know, the people were saying, because she had her five-year-old son in her arms at the same time, and, and people were saying, how could you hold your child in your arms and a shotgun? So you sent out this tweet with a doll. Let's show the, the one with the yes. doll. Um, well, yes, consider oh, us the Hardy Boys, because yeah. we were doing some investigative reporting. Going, is it is it possible? And then the Twitter storm erupted where, well, that's not nearly as, that's not nearly as big as a five-year-old racist. I'm like, okay, so that's, you put that's up- a fair criticism. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, so you put out the second one. We adjusted it for accuracy. Yeah, you have the second This picture. is with Not Gay Jared, your producer. This is with Not Gay Jared, my producer, <laughs> who's approximately the size of a five-year-old, depending on what he ate for breakfast. So, uh, as you can see, and then people said, well, that's not really a shotgun. I'm like, no, you're right. It's actually a long-form Uzi with a stock. So it's actually bigger than the gun she had. But th then the, that, the argument we're getting to is like, okay, so we've ignored loaded shotgun. We've ignored a five-year-old in her lap with police officers. We've ignored a three-hour standoff. We've ignored the warrants. We now acknowledge that you could hold a long rifle and a full-grown man in your arm at the same time, but it's not the same gauge of caliber. What, I, I, I don't know what, what time warp I felt into where this is a valid argument so so that's i mean that's the thing really uh, how how bad was this on twitter i mean how bad how bad do you get hit for this uh, you stuff? know they call me a racist and try and get me banned i don't you know you racist? know it's, it's just they, <laughs> they all bleed together at a certain point andrew it's like well i get it it's controversial okay you were you were poking fun at a situation where a woman died that's racist okay i get it but it's like hey you also did a video about why you don't like hillary clinton that's racist it's like when a five-year-old screams you don't know if they're screaming because their arm got sawed off by a wood chipper or they lost an m&m it's the same scream <laughs> At a certain point, you drown it out. Do you, do you, do you, is there anywhere you would draw the line? Is there, I mean, come on. You're, you're, you know, you're making fun of this poor woman with her shotgun. I mean, all she had against the police, you know, the armed might, the armed might of the state. You didn't even mention the license plate she had. She had the license plate. She had no license plate on her car, and it said, don't stop me because this is my ticket. This car is my ticket to freedom. Anybody who stops me is going to be in trouble. It's like... Uh, I, I just I don't at a certain point I don't I don't have any sympathy left to give like I understand you know there are stories that have come out I go okay Eric Garner was an example the cop was too rough clearly was an ass uh, what was the other one Tamir Rice I was like oh that looks bad until I found out that he was aiming what looked like a loaded real firearm at passersby in a park so we've we've fallen on both sides of these but I can't, I don't I'm a white guy okay so I know <laughs> no. I'm a, let me check my privilege don't be so hard on yourself that's not <laughs> 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 you don't say no. No, you're good. Um, I can't imagine loading a shotgun, aiming it at a cop, threatening to kill him, in any other scenario than me ending up dead. Here's something else. You're just a bad mother. I remember we had a loose squirrel that got in the house when we were raised in Montreal. What was the first thing my parents did? They put me in my bedroom and closed the door because they didn't want us to get rabies from a loose squirrel. She's holding a five-year-old with a loaded shotgun at a cop. So Sean King was actually tweeted this out. Anyone who uses the human shield narrative should immediately be looked at with uh, white uh, supremacist suspicion. So, I mean, he's a white guy, by the way. And um, then I'm thinking, well, she did use it as a human shield. What would you call that? What, would, what yeah. parent would hold a five-year-old? Well, in the face of a standoff. What I liked was the indignation. I mean, I turned on the TV and there's all these like BLM types going like, you know, this is a terrible, this, this has got to stop. And I thought, what, what's got to stop? Shooting people who are shooting at you with, you know, where, what is it? What are we, what are we protesting exactly? <laughs> it's like, I'm, I've fallen behind. Excuse me, I pardon my whiteness, but I've fallen behind. What, what are we protesting? I, I mean, imagine you, like a cop says, hey, Andrew, hey, sir, you just jaywalked, and you just pull out a nine sideways on him, and then he's like, oh, sir, you're under arrest. What the I mean, I just can't, I just, it's like, it's not, it's, it's gotten to the point, and they pull out the worst examples, because you could find some examples where there obviously are police officers who are, who are abusing their authority. I get that. I sure. understand that. But, but clearly it's not happening 
that often. They want you to believe it's a pandemic, you know, to the level of, of SARS like we had in Canada, where just kids are being picked off by cops. If that's the case, shouldn't it be easy to find one example where someone is just walking down the street and gets <laughs> yeah. shot for no reason? You know, if you're using this, this is clearly the best example because it kind of went quiet for a couple of weeks because, the you know, the Muslims got back in the headlines and they're kind of always competing for that top top billing. <laughs> and uh, they needed to trot this lady out. And I, I mean, you know, you always feel bad because a life is lost. But here's the deal. If you put someone else in a situation where they could lose their life, you forfeit your right to live. That's just the reality. Yeah, of course, if you play if the knockout cop, game, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, if it's a cop. Yeah. But even if it's not a cop, right? If you physically assault someone at random, the knockout game. If you're mugging someone with what's actually a fake gun in your shirt, you've forfeited your right to live because you've put that person in a situation where they have to protect their life. And, and, and I don't know why that's lost on a lot of people. Let, let me ask you this. You know, <laughs> you, you and I both kind of say whatever we want. I'm a much nicer person than you, so I, I don't get in as much much trouble. Yeah, but but you you know, is it? I never I never felt under true assault, full assault, until until I started going after Donald Trump. Now, do you find do you find that the attacks you get from the left? Because you're also a not happy. You're not, you're not a Trump Trump guy, so right. No, you, of course I'm not. Do you find the attacks um, you get from the left I don't, are better or worse than the Trump ones? Well, the Muslims are the worst. There's no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, the Muslims are the worst by far. I will say this. More also, so the Muslim as as Trump aiming, voters are very bad. That's a... <laughs> well, they're, they're a diamond in the rough if you can find them. Um, <laughs> first, they, they, they blow you up, and then they, they try to get you audited. It's a very, very ugly process. But, you know... I would say as far as trying to destroy a career, you know, liberals, they hate you. It doesn't really. But, you know, conservatives, we talked about this where I was getting threatened from cons big conservative websites or enterprises saying if you don't get in line. And here's the deal. Listen, I, I understand. I think you said this, too. We have Glenn Beck on the show tonight. I've openly said I don't know exactly what I'm going to do yet. I understand people saying in the face of Hillary Clinton, I've got to vote Donald Trump. I think that's a perfectly tenable position. Yeah. I also think it's reasonable for someone to say, you know what, I just I can't in clear conscience do this. I've not seen people who don't like Donald Trump, not nearly as many, I should say, using a man as a litmus test. Whereas I've seen the Trump people, you bend over and kiss the ring of this yeah. man or you're a cuck. And, and I do, this is something for me that is, I have plenty of respect for people who vote for Donald Trump. Some of them who aren't conservative just say, you know what? I just want someone other than a Democrat now. This is our chance at winning. I'm willing to compromise. That's also very reasonable. But I think what it comes down to is I have some people in mind. I won't name names. But I know some people who've done these things, right? You have to ask yourself, would you have ever flopped on socialized health care? Would you have ever stood idly by while uh, Ted Cruz's wife was insulted and his dad was uh, insinuated in an assassination? Would you have ever supported increased taxation? Would you have ever supported increased spying on American citizens? Would you have ever supported someone like Putin and found yourself in his camp? If not, for one man, would you have changed those, those transformative, soul-penetrative, character-based decisions, if not for one man? And if someone has changed on all of those, that's where my respect starts to dwindle. Yeah, it is the problem following people instead of principles. That's that is the problem. So I I watched you. You know, we met at PJTV. I think you were what ten, fifteen years old, something like that. that yes, yes, yeah, about. <laughs> yeah. And you went. You were on Fox News for a while, which was always kind of painful to watch because I always got the feeling you weren't exactly let. They, they was, didn't uh, say they didn't say run free, friend Steve. No, you know, no, not exactly. <laughs> not, but. 
But does it drive you crazy at all when you look at every late night comedian, every single one, you know, Trevor Noah and Stephen Colbert and Samantha B. First of all, not funny. I mean, there's not a laugh to be at. You know, like a laugh is like that, you know, the eye that those three women used to pass between. You, you know, they have not a laugh to share between, between you know, there's, I mean, like Seth Meyers, I think, can be very, can be, he can brutally, be. funny. Yeah. Uh, but he's clearly a, a, a wing of the DNC. I mean, I, the guy goes to cocktail parties with Hillary. But yeah, the ones you mentioned, I find Samantha B aggressively unfunny. She is aggressively unfunny. And they all do the same thing where they think if they use the F word that suddenly they're real. You know, that really makes them, makes them real. You, I mean, you kind of did that joke in the last video you did about the, the Young Turks. But yeah, but does that drive you crazy? That, I mean, here you are doing some of the funniest stuff on the Internet and like, you know, that, that door is basically shut to you. Um, well, th- thanks for letting me know. I was still hoping <laughs> Yeah, your career is Didn't over, pal. This is it. This is it. Yeah, you enjoy the show because this is basically as far as you're going. As well. <laughs> well, you, you know what? I, um, I was it used to. Because I remember at Fox, they were grooming me for something, and, and they set me up with the guy who created the Mike Douglas show. Oh, boy. And the Steve Allen show. The really cutting so edge. This guy, sort of, yeah. Yes. This guy was, like, in his 80s, but he had kids who were, like, like six years old. That's Old Testament Abraham-type <laughs> crap. I had no idea what was going on. So I remember going, like, oh, there's really no place for someone like me. It used to bother me more than it does now because, you know, the numbers don't lie. A lot of those people you mentioned, I mean, they have many, many, many—I mean, they have tens of millions of dollars. And then when it, it goes online, they can't put the plays together. Hmm. I mean, I've been attacked personally by some of these people with shows. And, uh, they, you know, they criticize, oh, you're online, you're hacks. And, well, okay, but these people also are trying to be online, right? They're right. seeing it as an adjunct to their TV thing, and they can't make it work. So as it becomes less relevant, it, it bothers me less and less. And someone who inspired me a lot with, with that was Joe Rogan. I mean, Joe Rogan had Fear Factor. Joe Rogan has the UFC. Joe Rogan doesn't need to work another day in his life. And he started creating his own thing, and it's pretty lo-fi. It's people having a conversation. But him and I talked about it, and I said, wow, you know what? This is really changing. And here's something I think is important. Um, people used to watch, you know, the sponsor, the Colgate Hour. Their TV was really broadcasty. And then they would sit down at the dinner table and have conversations with their with their family. Well, they're not having the dinner table conversation anymore. And so that's sort of this, this, this phenomenon of podcasting where people want their entertainment to feel more intimate, to feel more conversational, which is the opposite of when we were at PJTV. YouTube was still relatively new and was like, keep it short, keep it short. Sometimes you want to do that. But if you're going to do a video that's more than 30 minutes, people don't want. And this happened with Corin Gaines. I guess that's the last time she'll load a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they want it to be, it's a joke about a deadly I guess I guess I better uh, kill that video, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they want it very conversational. So it used to bother me. It, honestly, it, it really doesn't anymore because we're able to do it, and um, I'm able to employ people like like not gay Jared for the rest of the remainder of the day, and uh, and still have an audience. <laughs> that is amazing because otherwise the guy would be on the street. I mean, you look at him; he's it's pitiful. You know, it is. Yeah. yeah. No one bu- no one buys the. I mean, listen. You know, I fulfill my legal obligations. He's not gay. Follow him. <laughs> <laughs> Draw your own conclusions. <laughs> All right, so where? So louder with Crowder. Where do we find you? Where does everybody flock to see you? Yeah, louderwithcrowder.com. And unlike that crappy plug Dr. Drew once gave me, he's like, that's a louder spelled with a W, but he had already shut my mic off. I'm like, no, no, it's never spelled with a W. Oh, it's not so, with a... <laughs> yeah, louder with, you ever go on one of those shows where it's like they clearly have no idea no, who you are yes. and they're looking at a sheet and you're just like, all right. I had a guy, okay, before I go, I had a guy introduce me in, um, gosh, were you, was it Wyoming? It was Wyoming. Uh, and that was the last time I got a speeding ticket because, you know, I was I was leaving Wyoming. <laughs> um, so I was in Wyoming. 
And I had uh, a gig, and I swear to you, the guy read from Wikipedia. And it was like one of those days where people change Wikipedia all the time, yeah. and it said, like, Crowder's a fag or something. <laughs> and so I whipped up, and it was like, yeah, and I he, did like, that. read I'm it. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> yeah. He, he read it. He said, what, he said, Stephen Crowder is so conservative that he was fired by Sean Hannity. And I said, what? And I never worked for Sean Hannity. And it was just like, he read this out loud, and I went up, I said, don't, like, why would you, I gave you what to read. Um, so anyway, so I, I appreciate, we actually know each other. And Andrew Clavin uh, for those watching, has been uh, he's been uh, he's pretty pretty good to me. Back when I was at PJTV, and I was unilaterally hated. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew was a nice guy. Always, he sort of understood that I was just doing my thing. I know, I know. It's a strange thing. We should have really just taken you out in the parking lot and beaten the crap out of you. Probably. <laughs> well, I think Bill Whittle wanted to do that, and then he came around. <laughs> do you remember the first time I spoke? I was like, Bill, okay. You're popular, right? He's like, yes. I'm like, people like you. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to do a fake hidden camera GoPro where I, where I squirt <laughs> you with a flower, and I'm like, all I'm doing is messing with Bill. It's going to be a segment called Messing with Bill. And he was like, no! And he was really upset. <laughs> but it was because I was like, people like you. They know who you are, so it'd be funny, you know, this intellectual. And, uh, and then we went to Gitmo together. We, we really bonded. But uh, I, would, I don't blame him. I would have hated me. <laughs> well, I actually... I actually do remain fairly fond of you as, against my better judgment. And I love your show. Your show is terrific. Louder with Crowder. Oh. All right. It's good to see you. I will, we Thank will talk you, again Andrew. Soon. Appreciate it. All right, yeah, anytime. You. All right. Ah, God, yeah, I know. Now I'm exhausted. <laughs> All right. All right we're gonna, we always end the... Uh, what? what um, Facebook. Facebook? We're saying goodbye to Facebook. We've got one minute left. Yeah, okay. Come on, give show some mercy. Look, they're, they're cl- look at them. They're clinging to their computers. <laughs> All right. Well, I wanted to talk some more about culture, but you know, I just like I like talking to Crowder, so I can't stop myself. Uh, we like to end with some music. Here is uh, the only piece of good music that Andrew Lloyd Webber ever ever wrote. You know, I mean, I I actually uh, like the Phantom of the Opera because it's overblown and gothic and it's supposed to be, but most of his stuff is overblown. However, he wrote this piece, Pie Jesu, which means Merciful Jesus, and, you know, it's a piece that many people have written musical settings to, but he wrote this, and it's so beautiful, so we're going to go out with that. It's sung by this woman who is named Sissel from Norway. She just she has a last name, but I can't pronounce it. Anyway, the, <laughs> we're going to... So they just call, No, they can't pronounce it. It's not just me. They can't pronounce it. So we're going to end with that. I'm Andrew Claven. This is the Andrew Claven Show. Hunker down for the Clavenless weekend. Read the Wall Street Journal on Saturday. I'm in there, and we will see you next week.